the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United Show. My host is always Phil Brown, joined with my fantastic regular co-host, Taylor Brennan, Callum McFadden. Of course, on International Week, which uh, if you're Irish, <laughs> it's sadistic. But uh, anyway, um, you know, it, it just just want. I just, sometimes I just wish why couldn't they be born in Brazil? <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, how you doing, mate? On this uh, Tuesday morning here in Los Angeles, I understand it's beautiful where you are. <laughs> it's not too bad, Phil. And, and you're, you're right with internationals. Obviously, being Scottish as well, we've had. Two really dull games. We we drew with Israel um, recently, and we've played them more times than than I've seen any family and friends <laughs> over yeah. the last year. So I'm uh-huh. I'm sick of the sight of playing them. And to be honest with you, I'm delighted to be talking United because the international breaks. I have to be honest with you, the longer they go on, the more bored I get. So I'm looking forward to some club action. Yeah, completely agree, mate. Um, well, at least for Scotland, there's some. You know, some some optimism. You've qualified you know, for the Euros. It's uh, it's an encouraging time to be Scottish right now. And uh, of course, coming up in May, you've got the fantastic George Taylor, Unifan, a hundred and forty pound division with Jose Ramirez, which of course, as most people know, I'm a massive boxing fan. And this weekend, back to sports. And unfortunately for me, I've got to watch Carl Frampton fight against Jamel Herring to come become Ireland's first ever theatre world champion. And uh, when you watch someone fight, Callum, he's a personal friend of yours, a very, very close personal friend of yours. <clears throat> it's very difficult. And you go through a very, very strange set of emotions. So uh, looking forward to having sports back this Saturday. But my God, my nerves will be shattered on Saturday. Praying Carl Frampton gets the win this weekend. Before we get into everything else, mate, I want to touch on a sombre note because I woke up this morning to the sad death of Claude from Arsenal TV. <clears throat> and I'm going to try to get through this without getting emotional <clears throat> because, as we both know, mental health is a very real issue for all of us. And so many people <clears throat> are struggling and hurting right now. I don't know... What happened with Claude, I don't know if he took his life or not. I, I hope that's not the case, uh, so I don't want to I don't want to speculate. But he was someone who was quite open about his own mental health struggles, and I saw a bit that he did with a guy I did a podcast with about two weeks ago, uh, Bits and Bobs, a uh, lovely guy from Scotland. And he, in there, he talks about <clears throat> how he gets up and doesn't want to live some days. And hear the pain in his voice, Callum. <clears throat> It's very raw for anyone who struggles because they'll recognise that feeling. And how there's many days where you just don't want to be here. And how death seems like an attractive alternative to ending the pain that you're in because you can't feel hope, you can't see hope. And you don't think you'll ever be normal, you don't think you'll ever enjoy your life. And I totally understand that feeling because I've had it so many times myself. And as being a big proponent of mental health, as everyone knows, you know, you've also been that way. And many other lads and lasses, oh, God, love them. Thank God for them. <clears throat> um, but it's imperative if you're out there, you're struggling, you're listening to this. You understand that there's <clears throat> so many people in the same boat as you that are struggling, that don't know where to turn, that are doing self-destructive things to self-medicate the pain, just to get through the day, to deal with their life. And hey, you know, there's a, there's a, in the opening lyrics to Lady Gaga's song with Bradley Cooper where he talks about are you happy in this modern world or do you need more what are you doing trying to fill that void and that is something that's very personal to me because I took drugs to do that I wasn't happy in a modern world I tried to medicate the pain I tried to get through it by doing the worst things possible so trust me if you're out there and this is you and you're listening to this you're not alone. There are so many people going through the same thing. And we've said this on the show so many times because it's so important. Because so many people I know listen to this that I know are struggling and haven't told anyone and don't want to tell anyone. Please, for the love of God, it's a death sentence to keep that in, to not reach out, to not share it, to not get help because there's another human being that will listen to you. 
who's got answers to questions you don't have, who will have a perspective on things that you don't have and maybe, maybe they just say something that resonates with you, that just starts healing, that starts to improve your life, that starts to improve the circumstances in your life, your relationship with this world and how it interacts with you and your thoughts. You can get better, I promise. You can live a happy life. You can get up and be fulfilled. You can get up and be motivated. You can get purpose in your life. You can get things where you want to dance again. You want to smile again. Will you radiate? Will you resonate? Will things change? As I said in my video earlier, I've been at a point where I was certain I wanted to take my life because I couldn't deal with the pain anymore. I was tired of the cycle of getting up. I lost 50 pounds from from self-harm, from not eating, from starving myself because I thought I didn't deserve to eat. I was so much of a scumbag, I didn't deserve to eat. And I, I'm still dealing with that issue. So trust me, none of this stuff you're telling yourself is true. Please, for the love of God, get help. I am so fortunate in my life that I have access to high-end professional athletes and stuff that have helped me so much. Please, 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 for me, get help. And if I'm the only person you've got, then reach out to me. I'll be there for you, I promise. If anyone needs my phone number, you can DM me, I'll give it to you. Just be patient. Anyway, sorry mate, I'll quote it back to you. I just want to emphasise everything that you've said there in, in regards to to Claude. My, my thoughts and prayers are, are with his family and friends. Um, in regards to, to what he described, he talked about not wanting to, to well, waking up in the morning and hoping he wouldn't be here much longer. I, I, I Mine was the opposite. I used to, when I was going through my, my toughest spell, I used to go to bed in the evening and, and I used to think to, to myself, I, I just hope and hope and hope that I don't wake up in the morning, which... At the time, yeah. um, was was just so painful, and and mm. I, I look back at that now in the position and and the position I'm in now, where I'm feeling a lot better than I've been through, which I hope is the worst of it. But of course, I still have dark days. Um, that 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 won't come back because that that numbness. That's the only way I, I was ever able to describe it. That numbness that comes over you, where you feel. Uh, that way about yourself you mm-hmm. look even when you look at yourself you have that numb reaction yep. you don't see anything good you don't see anything positive yep. it can be really oh it can be really fully encompassing and and i totally agree if you need to reach out to to to, to us myself then then please do so because it it can be tough it can be really really tough but i found and, and i found this through you phil and others that Sometimes you just need someone to listen, mm-hmm. and they, you may end up not speaking to them about the in depths of your uh, mental issues or the, the 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 problems that you're having in life at that moment. You might find yourself just going off on a tangent and talking about football or yeah. boxing or politics or traveling, but just that conversation and someone mm-hmm. listening, someone you listening, can do you the world of the good. So, as I say, my thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends my thoughts and prayers are with everyone out there who's struggling and, and as you've said if you are out there and you're just feeling really uneasy and it won't go away reach out to to us reach out to someone that you trust someone you love because it's worth having a conversation with someone because literally all i needed was someone to listen and help <laughs> me get to the point where i knew i had to seek help i went and got the help that i required and then since then I'm now able to self-regulate an awful lot better than I ever could. As I say, I still have days where I don't do it very well and I have real real struggles, but that first step of talking to someone, even just a friend or mm-hmm. someone you admire, can go a long way. So please, please don't suffer alone. Just uh, the last thing on this, if you're, a, if you're someone that's listening and you're struggling, the first thing you have to understand about yourself is you are this beautiful complex array of subatomic particles created by the universe in this gorgeous expression of life you are so beautiful you are so perfect and for you to be alive 13.8 billion years after the universe exploded from an infinitesimal point to where we are today for you to be alive is a miracle in itself for you to experience life is a miracle in itself and 
You are so important. You are as important to this universe as the sun and the stars. You were created 13.8 billion years ago when the universe exploded. And you are made up of stardust. When your body dies, the particles that make up your body will re-emerge with the universe and someone else will get them. A star had to die for you to be born. You are so beautiful. You are so perfect. You are such in a beautiful, complex array of atoms of, that, that is is, like you said, fundamental to the universe. And I personally am so glad you're here. There will never be another person that will walk the earth again as you. You are the only person that will ever walk the earth knowing who you are as yourself. This is the only party you will ever be at. Some Someday, someone's going to open that door and call your name, and it's time to leave. And if you sat at this party not participating in the party, but sat negative and, and, did, and, and, and consumed by darkness. You don't get the time back. It's gone. It's over. How you spend your time here is up to you. Why not dance? Because it's all we have. This present moment is all we have. It's all we'll ever have. And you never know. I'm speaking from personal experience. I found my wife dead at 30 years of age. Our whole life was in front of us. She never got to be a mother properly. My son was 10 months old. She never got to hear him talk. She never got to see him walk. She never got a Christmas with him. She never got a birthday with him. She missed out on every major milestone of his life. And she didn't know that was happening. She got up that morning feeling perfectly fine and put her shoes on and someone else took him off. Please. Please, please, I understand this is taking up the first part of our podcast, but there is no more important message today. Whatever we talk about after this, there is no more important message today than this. Please, I care so much about you, and I am so glad you're listening to this. And the greatest things in your life have yet to happen. Please, get help. Mate, if you have anything else to say on this before we... Move the topic on. I just just want to say and, and echo the the idea of, of help and, and, and help. Some people sometimes get really worried and think, I don't want to go and see a GP or I don't want to go and see a nurse. I, I was like you. I, I really did not want to do that. And it took me a while to open up to people that I trusted. Uh, you've been one of them, Phil, before I then went mm-hmm. and was able to confidently seek that help. So please don't panic and think that people are going to think you're weird or you're strange because you are nope. not. Everything that you tell someone, whether it's a friend or a family member, or you have to go and see your GP, they they will understand, they will know. They, they may take a little while to understand, but they will understand. And when you speak to them, they will be able to give you so much help, whether that's a smile, whether that's a hug, whether that's just pointing you in the right direction. You are worth everything Absolutely. to us. You are worth everything to those in your life. And as you've said, Phil, the fact that you are here is a miracle and mm-hmm. make the most of that miracle because you deserve to be here. We love the fact that you are here. And we look forward to interacting with you, not just this year, but for many years to come. Just the uh, last quick point on this, folks. I know there's a perception that there's a weakness in getting help. Many of my friends are professional fighters and very, 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 very successful professional fighters. Elite professional boxers. And I can assure you, they battle demons. They battle mental health issues. They struggle mentally. If I talked about the things that I know about people, whether they're professional footballers or boxers or whatever, about how they battle, what you think their answers are, the answers are fame and money. It's not that. It isn't that. There is no ha- money buys comfort. It is not by happiness. So don't look for the solution there. So there is no weakness. We need to address that. And um, that is not emasculating to get help. Please, anyway, folks... We love you. Thanks for listening. Apologies if this is a bit preachy, but it genuinely really matters to me. And I know it really matters to Callum here because we both dealt with this and we'll probably deal with it for forever. Um, mate, let's talk about United because uh, let's move the conversation on. This is a United podcast, uh, so we will talk about much United. Uh, but um, I know so many of our listeners out there are hurting right now. And... Um, now they maybe don't have a lot of resources, so it's important that they understand that we genuinely care. I talk about Solskjaer. 
because um, lots of discussion in the last week and a half or so about his contract. You know, has he done a good job? You know, is he someone that is just a convenient guy? That's a nice guy. That's a nice Glazer guy. Let me say this right first of all, because I like accused of flip flopping on this topic. My my views on Solskjaer are fluid because his job is fluid. I may say today that he's the right guy for the job, but six months from now, I may change that perception, that, that uh, opinion, based on the fact that he has lost the next 15 games. That's not flip-flopping, right? That's an evidence-based opinion that adjusts with evidence. I want him to be successful. I want him to win the league because I think he is perfect for Manchester United in the sense that he understands how the football club should play football. He understands it culturally, internally, the things that are important to United fans. He understands United fans, right? Um, but I don't know if he's going to be completely successful because we're getting to the point where really over the next 12 months, United fans are entitled to expect, tro expect trophies. But what trophies are the question? And unless United give Solskjaer serious, serious money and send the players that he's asking for, because let me tell you, there's no question this Manchester United team, had it had a Jude Bellingham, had it had a Erling Haaland, would be in a much better position than what they are today. Or a Jadon Sancho would be in a much better position than they are today. So if Manchester United's board are not going to go out and secure the players that the most senior football person at the football club designates as what's needed to get United back to challenge him in Manchester City, is it really fair to expect Solskjaer to catch Manchester City? Are we in the best possible position we can be in with what we have? What do you think of that? I think at the moment, and I've said this for a few weeks, that we have reached the ceiling of this current group of players. I still think they could go on and win the Europa League. And, and to be honest with you, I think that's something that it, it shouldn't become a priority the way Mourinho made it a priority by giving up the league for it, not at all. Um, I think you need to utilise the, the squad to your advantage. You need to, to make sure you finish in the top four. I, I'd be really second within 10, 11 points of Manchester City as a bare minimum. Um, and you also have to do your best to win that trophy. I think for Solskjaer, Granada is going to be a test because you can't take any side mm -hmm. lightly. They're sitting eighth in La Liga. They um, are a side who have impressed many people who've watched them this year and, and last season as well. So I think it's important that you don't take them lightly. But I think these next couple of weeks are going to be crucial because even if United beat Granada and they get to a semi-final, perception is cruel in football. And if United lose another semi-final under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think the narrative will change among many fans, but also the, the media haven't been shy in the past when he's maybe lost a game or two to, mm -hmm. to have a go and paint a picture of him. So I think even if they beat Granada and get to another semi-final, yes, I think it's a positive, but I don't think we I don't think we will right enough. I don't think we should herald it as a as a massive achievement getting to the semi final. I think he, that should be expected for uh, the resources that Manchester United have in this Europa League. I think if the club gets to a semi final, then it's important to get to a final and give themselves a real pure and honest chance of winning a trophy because I think a trophy can go a long way. Uh, I know certain uh, pundits, uh, uh, obviously, I, I, I'm a big fan of Craig Burley. I've got a lot of time for Craig mm -hmm. personally. Craig doesn't rate Solskjaer and thinks, even if they win the Europa League, mm -hmm. Craig thinks it's papered over the cracks. I disagree with that personally. I think if you go on and win the Europa League, you have a strong finish in the league, you've got a positive momentum, which means you can enter the market this summer and say to players, this club is on the up with me. I have quality players at this football club and I need you to make us even better. So I, I disagree with him there. I think really... Winning a trophy and finishing strongly in the league gives you the momentum to achieve what you want to next season, only if you invest in the summer. I've said it for a few weeks now, Phil, as you know, if United don't invest this summer, then you can kiss goodbye to Manchester City. Aguero is leaving Manchester City this summer, that's been announced. Do you think they're just going to say, ah, we'll not go with another striker, we'll just go with Jesus, we'll put a young player in, no, no, no. Whether it's Ings, whether it's Haaland, whatever it's, whoever it is, they will bring someone in and believe that their manager in Guardiola can get the best out of that player for their side, and it's important United do the same with Solskjaer. It might not, they might not be able to get three or four that you want, but at least get one or two, because that one or two could make a massive difference. Well, so here is the point, right? <clears throat> in, in Craig Burley's defence, let's say United win the Europa League, 
right? Now, winning these trophies don't hurt you, but they aren't necessarily in, uh, the best barometer for how you're going to do in the future. We've seen this repeatedly with the FA Cup. It's not always the best barometer, right? But it is, there are, it is important that you win them. It's the type of thing you only get noticed if you don't win them. So Europa League, neither are not favourites. Let's say they go on and win Europa League, but in going to invest 30 million, what's the point? To me, this is the equivalent of top four. It's These are springboard trophies. These are important if you use them as a springboard, but if you don't, then they're not a barometer of anything. They don't mean anything. In fact, what they really illustrate is this is the this is the 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 the, the, the limits of what this team is capable of. They're a Europa League winning type team, a Sevilla, a team that's going to do well in these types. Of, but the top competitions, they don't have the quality to compete. You know, I mean, <clears throat> let's be honest. Neither they're not close to Bayern Munich. They're not close to Manchester City, right? So, and now Solskjaer has a different type of problem. Now he's the favourite in a competition. And he has, if he loses to Granada, he's going to get slaughtered. And it's going to be hard to defend him. So, finishing second also should be a springboard. That old saying, if you're second, you're a loser. Doesn't matter. If you're not first, you're a loser. So it's only important if it's used as a springboard. United have qualified for Champions League last year in the last day of the season. And it what it was was a business accomplishment, not a football one. Because in the end they didn't use that money to go and invest that summer. In fact, when we looked at United's reasoning for not spending, I shudder to think what would have happened had they not have finished in the top four, had have lost out the Adidas money and the Champions League money. You know, would we have had a different summer? And when you look, Callum, project 12 months ahead, United are going to need a striker at best in 12 months when Cavani leaves, which puts them in a similar situation to Manchester City where they're going to have to go big. They're not going to get Holland, right? So forget about that. United are not getting Erlen Holland. That ship sealed. And whenever a year ago that summer, or that, that January when I turned around and complained, I don't want to blow me on trumpet here, but you know, not sending them due to some stupid buy sell-on clause, I didn't believe in that at the time. And I think I've been proved right. So United are not getting Holland. Now there's competition, now there's other clubs that'll pay serious money for him. United are not going to do that. United's objective is to get him cheaper than what Bruce Dortmund want to sell him for. Bruce Dortmund are going to get a lot more than what they want to sell him for because clubs like PSG, clubs like Chelsea that have, and City that have that money to go out and spend 150 million if they want. FFP is unenforceable, it's a joke. It's, it's, they can laugh on their face, so it's irrelevant. There's no spending limits. So I expect he'll end up with someone like City. This is why United will not catch someone like Man City because we have parsimonious owners that are sending us Solskjaer here. Go make a, a, a silk purse out of a associate. They want to buy, take a look at how United buy players come. Right? This ridiculous red line of we don't sign top players because Seba Varon didn't work and Falcao didn't work. I mean, can you imagine Real Madrid saying, yeah, we're, we're done with the signing those top players because Kaka didn't work, lads. It's the most ridiculous nonsense I've ever heard. You telling me you're not sending world-class players because one or two didn't work out? Maybe sign more than one or two. You know, so you're telling me you don't send a Ronaldo in his prime because those players don't work at United? Absolute bollocks! Why do people swallow this nonsense? Right? <laughs> and so United are a football club that's buying players to develop and sell. If you are buying football players that require development to then reach peak value and project or sell on value that tells you everything about your football club and its intentions. Absolutely. I mean, there's only so many project signings you can make before and you have to ask the question, uh, what is the project? Because at the end of the day, um, it's, it's, it's all well and good saying, right, we're building for two years' time. We're building for two years' time. Eventually, you want to see something be built. You can't, but you can't be on a building process forever. Of course, the teams that have been the teams that have been on a building process forever are Arsenal, and Arsenal have the odd FA Cup to show for it. The odd, as you've mentioned, Europa League final. But are they in any better position than they were ten years ago? I would, I would argue not. And I think that that's the way United will go unless they they move to a more fluid model in the transfer market because. 
you, you can't just sign one type of player, which is maybe a young, between 21 and 24, because they've got a sale on. Because if you continually just make that your model, you, you just become a, another selling club like like mm-hmm. many we've seen in the past, like a Southampton, where you sign really good players with potential, but you won't see their best years because you're going to sell them on and start the rebuilding process all over again. You, you, you're spot on. It's, it's the same with an, a more established player. There's nothing that frustrates me more when you hear certain fans go, uh, oh, I wouldn't sign Harry Kane this summer because uh, uh, he's turning 28. Harry Kane at 28 could come in and give you four or five fantastic years and propel you towards Premier League titles, Champions League titles. Who cares if you don't have a sell-on value at the end of it? Because the value that he'll have given you by winning those trophies will encompass any sell-on fee anyway. And that's something that I think has to be pinpointed and has to be said because just too many people, unfortunately, Phil, I think, look at football these days as a football manager type game where, oh, we need to sign players based on analytics. We need to sign players based on potential. Potential is the most dangerous Mm -hmm. word in football. Every so often, whether you're Manchester City or Mansfield Town or Manchester United, sometimes you have to just go out and buy the best possible player, even if they're a wee bit older, for your level. And if any of those players become available this summer, a Kane, a Haaland or whatever, and United can't afford it, then you have to push the boat out. Because if a club like Manchester United, who are signing top sponsorship deals and are happy to tell the world that they're signing top sponsorship deals, aren't willing to push the boat out, and what's the point? Because at the end of the day, you can only claim that you're one of the biggest clubs or the biggest club in the world for so long. Eventually, people will see through the reality if you're signing another project player who's 22 or 23 from a Wolves or from a, a Southampton, with all due respect. Well, it, it was a fantastic article written by <coughs> um, Oliver Holt uh, about Richard Arnold's and, and the... Um, Hyperbole that he was using on these investor calls about the phenomenal success of Solskjaer. Now, I understand by its very nature these calls are, are, are mired in bullshit, right? And they're all verbose and they're all, you know, about exaggerating, uh, you know, to success. And that's, of course, part of selling the football club to investors and all that. I get that. But by no means... Have you never had phenomenal success under Solskjaer? I mean, at the very least, there has to be silverware, and I'm sure Solskjaer would not use those words to describe his tenure. And United don't help themselves when it comes to things like this, because when you're trying to address a perception that the only thing that matters to you is revenue, this doesn't help. You know, by what metric has Solskjaer had phenomenal success? Now, I accept, and I completely agree, but there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that United fans don't appreciate and don't understand but it comes to rebuilding the football club. But who dismantled that football club? Who put the football club in a position where it needed to be rebuilt? The current regime, the current people that make all the key decisions at the football club, they're the people that don't deserve time. And I just want them to tell me they are going to hold themselves as accountable as anybody else at the football club for a lack of success. Because... Van Hal, Mourinho, Moyes, all sacked for not bringing success. But what about the people who are responsible for picking those people? What about the people who are responsible for the football club not resembling anything like the football club that we fell in love with, that have relied on Solskjaer having to rebuild it, to rebuild an academy? You talk about the United Way, but who dismantled the United Way? That football club <laughs> is, it resembles how it's run. Every business resembles how it's run. Simple as that. Business is the people inside it. So these are not people that have been here 12 months. These are people that have been here since, what, 2013? Since Fergie left? So we're talking seven, eight years here. How long, how much, how long do you need to get this right? And why should you, why should you um, feel entitled to the confidence of United fans? At what point have you demonstrated you're capable of doing the bare minimum? And to me, the bare minimum United is winning league titles. At some point, the present has to be about has to be the future that you were talking about a year or two ago. And this is why this summer's window is so important because if they don't get the players that they need next summer, they'll need new other players in other positions. 
And this is the closest United have been, in my opinion. If they sign three top-class players this summer, I think it's reasonable to then go to Solskjaer. You need to deliver. But if you go out and sign him one top player and two young developmental type players, then it's not. As I think Chelsea will buy better than that. And I think Tuchel's in a better position than Solskjaer. And arguably Klopp if he gets money this summer. And then all of a sudden we're talking about City. A revitalised Chelsea. Liverpool will not have a same season. Top four becomes a big question again. I think that's, that's spot on. I think at the end, at the end of the day, when you when you look at a side like Chelsea, Frank Lampard got a lot of criticism and rightly so. But again, he spent a lot of money. So with that came expectation. He didn't meet the expectation, so a change was made. And I think the best possible thing you can do, as you've said there is to get the two or three quality players that Solskjaer wants and tell him it's time to deliver because then he can be judged as a Manchester United manager on full merit because if, if you if you give him the tools that would enable him to challenge for the title, it's down to him and it's down to those players over the course of 12 months. And I would argue even if you don't win the title and you slip to third or you slip to fourth but you've backed him, you're, you're arguably still in a stronger position because you know that you've got a good squad and you've maybe learned that you don't have the right manager and you can address that and you can have someone coming in to a much more positive position than a team that's outside the Champions League places and having to rebuild. You could have someone coming in who has to take the club on to the next level. So I, I completely reiterate that. I think you need to back them. You need to sign the key players that the club desperately requires in key positions. We've talked about the centre-back. We've talked about the holding midfielder. We've talked about an option outright. We've talked about a striker. You need to address three of those this summer. As a matter of urgency, you need to address those because you can be sure as anything that Manchester City are going to address that striking position when Aguero leaves. They're not going to mess around and give it to a project. They will go out and they will address that with a proven goal scorer in this league or they will go and get a proven goal scorer from the continent. You've mentioned Chelsea. 100% Thomas Tuchel will be back this summer. They backed Lampard to the hill. They've now mm-hmm. got what you could call an elite manager. Of course, he'll be back. You're, you're right with Klopp as well. And and, and even, with, even with Leicester City, if Leicester City get into the Champions League places, I'm not saying they're going to throw £100 million in one player, but they've got a manager in, in Brendan Rodgers who has produced very good results with the budget he's been given. And if they're earning more money, I think he as well will be trusted to push the boat out a little compared to what he's been able to do in recent years. So for, for, for me, it's a it's a bare minimum that you back the manager this summer. And and, and again, you, you get people who say, oh, you can't just throw 200 million at it and think that you're suddenly going to be a challenger. Nobody is saying it's about the money, the money you throw at it in terms of one figure. It's about players. Correct. If you identify 100%. three players that you want, mm-hmm. you might need to have a budget of 150 million. You might need a budget of 180 or even just 100. It's all down to the players that the manager sees fit. Players have unique circumstances. Sometimes, like Tony Cross, for instance, when he joined Real Madrid, he went for a far reduced rate. You might be finding one of your top targets is in a position like that. So for me, you base it on players rather than budget because the moment you say we're going to spend just £100 this summer, you start looking in the basement uh, bargain bin when it gets to a certain position because you might blow the majority of your budget on one key position. Whereas if you're going to do it right, address the three, two or three glaring positions that that are there and let the club move forward. Because if you try and just put a plaster over some of those positions for another 12 months like a Cavani, um, I know he's done a good job, but for me, that's just a plaster. That's only going to hold for so long before you really need to to, to address that fully. And and if they if they don't address these positions fully this summer, they're going to cause they're going to cause medium term damage and go back to the start again. You, as you say, you'll go back into being a club that's competing for top four. And again, I know I've mentioned them, and I don't mean to disrespect anyone that's got Arsenal fans or those Arsenal fans, but if you keep stagnating to the point where Champions League is seen as a trophy, you become Arsenal. Of course. You become a football club that is 110% a business. And when you become that, then forget commercial deals, forget saying you've got 600 million fans across the globe. Pack it up because you are finished. Well, we talk about becoming Arsenal, but maybe we've always been Arsenal. 
I mean, we've always been Arsenal, but the only difference, well, when I say always been, I mean since the Glazer takeover. Because if you look at United's success, you really whittle it down to two eras. The Busby era and the Ferguson era. Now, the Busby era was about youth, bringing through amazing young kids, right? United focused heavily on that. Busby was a genius, right? Wasn't about going out and banning the top players at the top of the market. And if you look at Ferguson's success, United never did that then either, right? I mean, we're still having this argument about not sending world-class players because one or two of them didn't work. United have never sent the best players in the world. In fact, Ferguson routinely complained about this. Right? complained about the fact that United consistently missed out on the best players in the world because they refused to break their wage structure. So it's always been a football club that has said to its manager, you need to be a genius. You need to be a genius to compete with the best clubs in the world. They will have an advantage over you. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid, 12-time European Cup winners, Man United with three. There's a reason for that. And it certainly isn't because they're a version of signing world-class players because they don't work. All right? Come on. So, when you look at these two football clubs, a Manchester United manager has always been in a position where he's had to perform above and beyond his competitors. Take a look at 2004, when Abramovich came in. That's when Arsenal, that was their invincible year. Then after that, they never won the league again. Right? Wenger called and bridged that gap. Ferguson got there. Because of the Ronaldo, Messi, or Ronaldo, Rooney, and uh, some fantastic young players, he was an exceptional manager. He had Roy Keane in his prime, brilliant players, right? Bought well, good young players coming through, really, really smart. But now we're asking Solskjaer to be Ferguson and saying, "You be a genius." Listen, you've got Chelsea promising to go to Holland. Whereas this football club is doing the opposite to Solskjaer. We're warning him against the limitations of the market. Which is, you know, a recycle of there's no value in the market. Right? Constantly warning our managers to expect underperformance in the market. But yet clubs that value success, that say we want to be successful, we want to win the biggest trophies, they're saying the opposite of the managers. They're saying, we'll go get you, Holland. Whereas United couldn't sign a player who our manager gave his debut to or refused to because they weren't making enough money on the resale. What the f*** does that tell you about this football club? <laughs> just as you, as we've said many times on the show, it tells you that it's a football club that appears to prioritise their. I was going to say bank balance, but when you look at the debt, you can hardly say there's there's to be pride there. Um, it prioritises dividends rather than than success and and jubilation uh, on the park. And and I think the thing that frustrates me with the Glazers, and I've said this on the show a, a few times. They get a lot of criticism from people like ourselves and others, and rightly so, for all of the, the way the club was bought, for the dividends that go out, for the lack of communication. They get a lot of criticism, and rightly so. What I do not understand, and this summer again I will not understand, is if Manchester United were to get it right on the park and challenge and win Premier League titles and challenge really seriously for the Champions League, I'm not saying those criticisms would go away completely, but I think that the level of dissent and uh, talk about them, I think it would diminish to the point where it would be a minority rather than a majority. Because if Manchester United are winning Premier League titles, if Manchester United are in the last four of the Champions League more often than not, you will still have complaints about those dividends. You will still have complaints about um, aspects of the club but when the team is successful on the park, fans naturally gravitate to the success that they're seeing and the joy that they're getting from their team. When things are not going well on the park and when things are appearing to be neglected, that's when fans look to the boardroom. That's when fans look above. So what I cannot understand in my head from a public relations point of view, from a group of people who in the States when they won the Super Bowl, want to be front and centre. What I don't understand is, if you have that success with Manchester United, 
for, you can be front and centre. You can go and do an interview. You can go and do what you like. Take take a take a bigger dividend because if the team are successful, fans will fans will stomach that. The problem is when they don't see the ambition from a club that consistently in press releases says we're the biggest club in the world. We've got the biggest fan base. We've got uh, such a unique fabric to our club. This cultural DNA that no one else can match. There's only so many times you can put that in paper before. People see it as just being words on a page that are mm-hmm. that are spin because if you don't see that in the park and if you don't see that in reality, then at the end of the day, it's 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 not even worth saying because we can we can all talk about. I mean, I live in Scotland. We can all say that Celtic were were winners of the European Cup and were the first British side to do it. Yes, they were. Would you refer to them as the as a European powerhouse now? Absolutely not. And the club can no longer claim to be that. United don't want to get to a point where they become a museum rather than a football club. When we take a look at potential signings this summer, there are no obvious signings. And this reminds me a lot of last summer in the sense that, look, other than Jadon Sancho, which um, I had my doubts, um, there were no obvious signings. I was listening to Fabrizio Romano's podcast about Ismail Sarr. And again, forgive me for blowing my own trumpet here, but uh, I remember doing a podcast last year. It was about March, I think, of last year. And we were talking about Sancho. And I said, here's what I can see happening. You know, they'll pursue Sancho, it'll not happen, and they'll go sound someone like Ismail Sarr from Watford. Right? Now, that wasn't based on any inside knowledge. What it was based on was a simple extrapolation of Manchester United's of the logic that with Manchester United operate with and predicting the outcome and saying this is what will happen. Now, it turns out Watford said he was close to signing. Their sporting director was on there. Couldn't agree a deal. So, what I'm saying is, see Jadon Sancho, I do not think in any billion, in any university signs for Manchester United this summer. In fact, I think United are looking at that with the hope that I expect you'll see more of a mad Traore between now and the end of the season, the L between now and the end of the season, in the hope that he shows enough promise where United can turn around and say, we're not going to block his progress. We're going to let him be the answer. I don't think Palestri is ready yet. I think Palestri needs another year, at least, in La Liga, of playing week in, week out, and I think it's benefiting from him being there. But I think it wouldn't surprise me to see if United decide they need a right winger going back for Saar. Right now, Aguero leaving Man City, no chance of him coming to United. First of all, it only happens if Cavani doesn't stay because that would suit United, right? But given that he's played for City for so long, I don't see him going to Manchester United. Probably go back to Spain or somewhere like that, right? So I don't see that happening. Um, Lingard, now this is interesting because Norlicals Lingard set for sensational return to Manchester United. Now, I want to say a couple of things on this because. First of all, I'm ecstatic for Jesse Lingard. Going to West Ham, playing as well as he has, right? playing as well as he is. But if Jesse Lingard plays for Manchester United between the time he went to West Ham and today, this looks totally different. He's not scoring the goals that he's scoring. He's not creating the goals that he's creating. It's a whole different environment. He's benefited from being away from United, having a complete, clean, mental, clean slate, playing for a different football club that values him differently, and he feels differently. Right? Now, United made a decision a couple of months ago to loan him out because clearly they didn't think he was good enough to play for the football club week in, week out. Clearly, they've evaluated him for years and decided this guy needs to be moved on. Are you telling me that just two, three months later, you've now retracted that and said, you know what, we want him back? That tells me two things. One it's another reminder that you need to have nothing to spend this summer and are going to recycle someone like Jesse Lingard as a new signing. Or, there's not clear convictions when it comes to decisions inside United about what their f- first team should look like. How can you turn around, if Jesse Lingard was that good, where he was a serious consideration United going forward, why'd you loan him out? Paul Pope was being injured? Keep him? But now you're going to tell me because of his form at West Ham, he's not good enough to come back and play for Manchester United? A question that we've already asked and answered. Not for me. 
not for me either. If Jesse Lingard comes back to Manchester United, it's it sums up the club's lack of ambition. As you say, if, in January of this year, if you decide he's not good enough or isn't going to be good enough to play for your first team, you can't then in March say, oh, I've changed my mind and he's going to be part of the long-term plans. If he was to come back and United give him a new contract, it would be all about that dreaded word in value. And I don't even think you need to give him a new contract to get value. I think you'll get value for him this summer based on his performances at West Ham, back in the England side as well. English players with the Premier League quota are always a, a valued commodity for, for many clubs. So I think you'll get that value. So I hope United don't bring him back. Try and give him a new deal and talk about value and move him on. Because if you do and a deal falls through, then you're stuck in another Phil Jones situation, albeit mm-hmm. Lingard doesn't have the same injury issues, where you could be stuck with a player who's nothing more than a squad player for years to come on big, big money, because he's already on a decent wage at the moment. And even if you were getting him to sign a new contract for value or whatever it is, whatever way you want to spin it, there would have to be an increase there or some sort of payment because he's not just going to sign a new deal for the sake of it when he's going to have arguably numerous sitters within the Premier League and probably across Europe based on his performances. So I totally agree on that one. On Aguero, Manchester City have announced they're planning to build a statue of Sergio Aguero. I imagine conversations about him joining a Premier League rival have already taken place because if Manchester City are going public with the fact they're going to build this big statue of him, I'd be stunned if he was to turn up at United of all clubs or even a Chelsea's people are, 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 are rumouring as well. It wouldn't make sense for City to come out and put that and splash that publicly everywhere for him to go out and be a title competitor elsewhere next season. So I think you can kiss goodbye to the idea that he's going to stay in England. He's been linked with Barcelona, returned to Atletico. He's also been linked with a, a return to Argentina. Into Miami's been mentioned, which could be an interesting proposition as well. Aguero is the sort of player who's had such a good career in the Premier League that he can go anywhere he wants to. And I don't see him sticking around in England because English football has taken its toll on his body over the years. He's worked very hard and scored goals, but I just I just don't see him at United in a, in a month of Sundays. So I think we can forget that one. Um, Dennis Law in reverse. Oh, well, I suppose, I suppose it would be very, very interesting, to be fair. But I'd, as you say, unless, if Cavani was to go, then could they push the boat out? Maybe. But I just don't think it will happen. Um, Lingard, as I say as well, I don't think he should be back at the club. But oh. the issue I have, and you've, you've already mentioned it, Phil, is the lack of obvious targets. You, you get the regurgitated names like Sancho, um, but other than that, Harry Kane's been mentioned. But then again, would United pay £100 million for someone at 28? I, I personally would. I think he would improve United. I think he could take United on on a level. He's shown that he's much more than just a finisher, um, especially with his link-up with Son. You would like to see that link-up play with Rashford, with Bruno and others. Um, but I just, other than, other than maybe a Kane link and a, a Sancho link, I can't think of another footballer out there who has a real concrete link or or one of those what you know how in football there's always those worst kept secret type of deals that Timo mm-hmm. Werner I suppose with mm-hmm. Chelsea and Liverpool at the time you, there doesn't seem to be anyone obvious out there that you say if he goes to United this summer it wouldn't shock me <laughs> United yeah. are the club that are the opposite you you say to yourself if Sancho or Haaland or, or Kane you, you say to yourself if they end up at United I'd be stunned which, which is unfortunate it's always the opposite way around I completely agree, mate. We we shall see. Um, before we finish up, mate, um, <clears throat> wanted to ask your opinion on the, these new United kits, the blue and the red one. Um, I must say, I really like the blue one. Lots of people love this, the centre of the badge and all that. I'm not a massive fan of badge being in the centre. I like it symmetrical and left and right. Breast, the badge, the logo and all that. There. But um, I'm not disappointed to see the end. The Chevy, the, the whole Chevy, blue, the, the Chevy logo uh, leaving off a shirt. I'm glad to see that. That blue and white one's really nice. What, what, what's your what's your take on them? I like the. I'm going to be controversial here, so this will be the last time I appear on this show, folks. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I like the the kit with the badge in the middle. However, to to to, to back up your argument, I would only like it if the sponsor wasn't on it, which obviously won't be the case because I think. When you've got the badge in the middle, like you, you look at, I'm not an England fan. I'm a Scot, obviously friendly rivalry. The, the England home kit is absolutely stunning um, because it's not got a sponsor. 
Whereas I think if you plaster a big sponsor in the mm-hmm. middle of that, I think with the badge in the middle, it just draws even more attention to the sponsor. Maybe that's a daft thing to say. Um, but in terms of the, the blue kit, I think it is very cool. You've had, there's been a few people complaining, oh, I don't like the way it'll look compared to the original. But until we see the the, the proper fabric fabric design, then then I think that's hard to judge. But I think it's... I think it's going to be refreshing as you say, to see a different logo on the front. I just hope that the the team finder, team viewer, I can't remember their name exactly. I just yeah. hope that I just hope that that the logo. I think subtlety is key on sponsored shirts. To be honest with you, sometimes you get an iconic logo that just seems to fit because the Chevrolet Chevrolet logo was just massive flight. It was just unbelievable. And they're getting their bang for the buck, so they're going to be delighted with that. But I agree with you. I'm not going to be the most disappointed to see it go. I hope we see a logo that fits in with the shirt and doesn't make the shirt stand out for all the wrong reasons. Um, but I would agree with you. If, if it was a sponsor of the shirt, I wouldn't mind the badge being in the middle. Maybe you could do that for a training kit, I suppose. But I think because of the nature of a sponsor paying a lot of money and they're going to want their brand there, I think I think you should go with the symmetrical shirt that's normal with the badge on the breast because that that's 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 something that I think you can make look re- really nice. Whereas, as I say, if you, if you put everything in the middle, it can draw attention to it. Big game, Club United, of course, back this weekend. Um, a difficult game, of course, against Brighton this weekend. Um, Victor Lindelof, he pulled out for personal reasons the Swedish team uh, something of course I've told my wife many times after having four kids so I completely understand <laughs> that um, he's a doubt Eric Bailly a possibility funniest man at the football club I would hope he gets a start um, if Lindelof not available difficult game what's your uh, prediction for the Brighton game? I think Brighton are a team that are dangerous um, a lot of things a lot of fun has been poked at them in the UK because they've got a massively high XG but for whatever reason they don't seem to convert I don't want United to take their chances and take their eye off the ball with that in mind. I think there will be goals in the game, but I think United will get through because it's one of these games with home advantage that United should be getting through. Crucially, as we've talked about before, with squad rotation, I hope Solskjaer goes with his full strength side. And if United have the luxury of being a couple of goals up, then about 65 minutes in, you can maybe put an Ahmad on and give him a 25-30 minute period to make the most of his opportunity. I hope United go full strength make home advantage count and I'm going to back them to win but as I say unfortunately I do think there'll be goals in the game and, and unfortunately I worry that'll be both ways uh, One or two things before we go Cam, I forgot to do this but I'll put out some questions on Twitter for some of our listeners to get back to us and ask some questions they want to cover First thing um, from Observant Mike which I want to ask uh, he has asked us Hi Phil um, what would happen to Axel if we were to send a centre back to Cameo PSD still lives on my head Very very good question Given that Bailly wants to leave the football club because he's not getting enough football, Axel Tunzibi never plays. I mean, when you never play, that's not down to injuries, that's that's down to how a manager views you with suspicion. So there's something about Tunzibi that doesn't convince Solskjaer, there's something about Bailly that doesn't convince Solskjaer because neither Lindelof and, and uh, Lindelof and Maguire is not a perfect centre-back partnership. And if you need a target in a centre-back, then of course that also tells you what he thinks of those other two. I think that you could see two and Z believe. And, and, and on that point, there is a couple of players that could sell us somewhere and generate revenue. I also want to give a special shout-out to MEFC Mikey, who's a long listener to the show and always asking us to, uh, to mention him. Uh, he wants to come on, mate, but unfortunately it's not easy to get guests on here due to the weird times that we record. Um... Let me see. Uh, if Ollie feels next season, this is from Man United today. If Ollie feels next season, then United are destined for years in the wilderness like Liverpool. What do you think? I think um, it would, if United finish outside the top four uh, next season, then I think you are you are talking about the wilderness really starting to, to to set in because you're talking about the early ten years without a Premier League title. I think another couple of years outside the Champions League would only make that ten years become twelve and thirteen. So I think that is. That's a fair point, but it's a point I don't want to seriously consider. I want the board to ensure it doesn't uh, become a point we have to seriously consider this summer, but I do think it is a fair point that's been made, if I'm honest. The murder appointment transfer plans for this summer. I think when you're, first of all, I think anytime you introduce uh, more clout for educated football voices in a com- when it comes to the recruitment, 
that's always a good thing. I think one of, what it also demonstrates is that United are no longer, and we know this anyway, they're not going to target high-end players. They're going to target young players with immense potential to develop them, get them cheap, develop them. Um, so that requires exceptional scouting. It requires a much better system than what United have had. It does look like they're making progress on that transfer front when it comes to highly select targets being much better than what they've done before. I have to give United credit for that. Um, they do. Can seem, I just come in on that? What, what, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to throw this back to you. What, I was just going to finish up by asking you: What's your view on Murda and what we expect this summer? I think my view on Murta, um I think it's a positive. I agree. He's clearly um, improved other aspects of the club, and the club believe in him. And he is a he's a, is a, a man with numerous years of football knowledge, two decades worth. So I think it's fair to say he deserves uh, the benefit of any doubt, and he deserves the opportunity to do his job. Crucially, what I would say with this summer is because United haven't brought someone in out with, they cannot use the excuse that the person is settling into their role, Mm -hmm. which I think is crucial. And I think that's something that that has to be hit home if United are under scrutiny for their transfer business this summer. I'm not saying that should all fall at Murta's desk on his first summer, but I do think the club cannot hide behind, oh, someone's just settling into a new role because he's been at the club for a while. That responsibility has been more, more shared over the last sort of 18 months to two years so I think it's important that that he suppose stamps his authority and shows that, that he is up to this job and that he proves any doubt is wrong this summer um, in regards to what we can we can we can expect this summer anything other than a saga and I will be happy I will judge how happy I'll be based on who comes in but I just don't want to see any more sagas because with a, a major international tournament on the go um, I just don't want to hear Willie won't he through the whole tournament and Poor Gary Cottrell from Sky Sports here in the UK. He's normally sent off to an international camp to stand outside and ask the same transfer questions. So I hope and pray for my sake for Gary's that that's not the case. Uh, Barry Cunningham says, once they hear a take on Van der Beek using, using, being used as a number six, Fred says him basically as he has an effective number 10. To me, I think Van der Beek's an exceptional talent. But if you play Van der Beek in that, 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 that midfield role, that deep midfield role, there's there's pros and cons. First, well, pro is United are better playing from defence. We saw it with Fred, you know, that ridiculous goal they gave away against Leicester. That to me, for me, obviously pathetic from Harry Maguire, biggest culprit in the first place. But if you've got a better technical player in that position, you have a much greater probability of that not happening. But you also sacrifice a lot of the ugliness that you get from Fred that you wouldn't get from Van der Beek. You almost get a Jorginho in there. Um, so you would have to play a game with an ugly uh, an ugly midfielder. And I don't want to say ugly, but someone that does the ugly things um, and, and still gives you that protection. So, um, But, uh, you know, I, 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 I still think there's a top-class player in Van der Beek and I still f- would not want to see him leave this summer. I really wouldn't. Um, I would like to see him stay for another year, but I'm not sure he's a number six. I think that's a fair point. My only worry was the more you said ugly, I thought you were going to propose I would be sent him into United. Nah, you're a handsome boy. No, I agree. I I would like to see him stay and be given another opportunity next season, a fresh start, um, a longer uh, pre-season with the squad, hopefully, um, to, to sort of embed himself in and give himself the best possible opportunity. We've heard over the years from numerous players that it can take 12 months for, for certain players to settle in, even though you would argue moving the Netherlands to England isn't the, the biggest cultural change that it possibly could have been, but it affects everyone differently. So I would like to see United hold on to him this summer, but only if they plan to utilise him and give him minutes next year. I know minutes have to be earned, you can't just give them out willy-nilly, but... I think if United keep him and don't play him a lot next season, then his value is only going to drop. So I think you have to make a cold decision this summer, which is either sell him and get value, the value we paid for him at least, or keep him, give him minutes and believe in him. One of the two and I'll be happy. Alright, we'll try to run through the rest of these quickly. Damien Keaton, Wood City still commission a statue for Gordon moves across the city. We United did with Dennis Law, so why not? Other other question is can you discuss all his continued use of an injured Rashford? How long a long term drawback? Surely he must have started next season if it goes to Euros especially possible surgery possibly required on his back. First of all, Solskjaer has no control over whether Rashford goes to the Euros or not. He has to release him. Right? Unless there's very, very clear irrefutable evidence that he's badly injured that's agreed to by the English doctors that uh, the English national team doctors that he genuinely can't travel 
Uh, you saw some of that this week with the English national team with uh, Rashford being made to come. Uh, I can't remember what other player was injured but didn't have to travel. Um, but um, it all depends. There's, there's certain variables. But uh, look, Solskjaer gets criticised for team selection. He has to play Rashford. He doesn't have the depth of options for play alternatives. He has to play him. He's still United, one of United's best forwards. Um, injured or not, it's not his fault that he has to play. Not his fault he doesn't have the depth to rotate. So I don't, I don't, I don't fault him at all. I agree on that. When I think if Rashford is deemed fit enough to play by the medics, then you'd be daft not to pick him. Um, to be honest with you, because you know what you've just you've just alluded to it there, Phil. If he was to leave Rashford on the bench and he was deemed fit enough to play, there'd be so many people coming for him anyway. So I think if he's deemed fit enough to play, you play him because he has the quality to make a difference in any game. We shall see. Folks, apologies if I didn't get to your questions, but we'll, we'll start doing week in, week out now as we'll start leaving a segment of the show for questions for our listeners because we really, really appreciate you downloading it, liking our tweets, retweeting the podcast show, sharing it with your friends, letting other people know. Um, it is so, so much appreciated. And, uh, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and give Beyond the Pitch Facebook page a like. Appreciate that. Or follow our podcast at Beyond the Pitch or this guy's podcast at Football CFB with has repeated exceptional content. Folks, I close the show with the same message that I opened it with. You are loved so dearly. And the voices in your head that are telling you that your life isn't worth living anymore or your enemy, they're not your friend, they're lying to you, it's not true. Please, 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 please get help. We love you. Callum, love you, mate. Take it easy. Love you, mate. Stay safe. And if you're struggling, reach out. We're always here. Cheers, folks. Take it easy.